Before I introduce today's episode, I want to say a big thank you to my supporters on Patreon who believe in my work with A Fostered Life and are offering financial support to help me create this podcast, write my blog, and create content at A Fostered Life's YouTube channel. I'm really encouraged by their support. If you find value in what I do here at A Fostered Life and you're able to spare a dollar or two or five dollars a month to support the free resources for foster parents and prospective foster parents that I create, please go to patreon.com slash a fostered life and become a patron. And now for this week's episode. Welcome to A Fostered Life, the show in which we explore the various facets of foster care through the voices of the many people who participate in the system. I'm your host, Christy Tennant Crispin, and this is episode 19. You don't need me to tell you that we are living in unbelievable times. The world is, in many ways, at a standstill, while people are strongly encouraged and even mandated in some places to stay home in order to flatten the curve of the spread of COVID-19. While this time of social distancing is affecting every sector of our world, for children in foster care and their parents, this season of quarantine means the suspension of in-person visitation, which is an integral part of reunification efforts. In some areas, visits are suspended altogether at the moment, but in most places, from what I can tell, families are now having all of their visits virtually. I've received questions from a number of foster parents who are trying to figure out how to handle virtual visits. Virtual visits place a greater responsibility on foster parents. Whereas in normal circumstances, the foster parent is not really involved with visits, under current circumstances, foster parents have to be very involved. One caregiver reported to me that instead of weekend visits that happen for several hours and give the foster parents a little break, their kids now have hour-long visits every weeknight that have to be managed by the foster parents. For that family, at least, these visits are disruptive for everyone involved. The foster parents, the children who have to drop whatever they're doing and get on the phone, and for the parents of the children who are finding it really challenging to maintain the schedule as well. I thought it might be helpful to hear from a few foster parents who are currently managing virtual visits for their foster youth and their parents. So in this episode, you'll be hearing from five foster parents in California, Oregon, Indiana, Virginia, and Maine. I asked them to tell me a bit about what visits looked like before the time of the virus and how they look now. This episode features the voices of foster parents, but I would also love to hear from and give my platform to parents whose children are in foster care who are trying to stay connected with their kids now that many, if not all, states have banned in-person visits. If you or someone you know are a parent whose child is in foster care and you would like to share about your experiences on this podcast, please contact me at Christy at afosteredlife.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y at afosteredlife.com. And now let's hear from some folks about their experiences with virtual visits during the time of the virus. A couple weeks before all of this happened, we had court and mom had um, made some progress in goals that she needed to. So she was granted the two little ones to come back to live with her. So we kind of went from two hour 
fully supervised once a week that she had been attending fairly regularly to now those kiddos being placed right back in her home. And then we were going to move to semi-supervised visits twice a weekend. So Mm -hmm. like on a on a Friday and a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they decided, oh, we'll do Sunday for four hours. And so the first one that she was supposed to do for a Sunday at four hours, she wasn't able to do. So we weren't able to have that. And then the COVID thing came. And so it went all completely to virtual for us. Mm. And so because she was going to be able to have those four hours, they kind of needed to make that up in phone call. Um, hours because contact wasn't being allowed by our department here. They Mm -hmm. said no more um, in-person visits because they just can't guarantee that people haven't been exposed and Mm -hmm. haven't been going out. Mm -hmm. And so we said that's fine. I had been building a relationship with mom, um, which had been going really well. Um, I had invited her to a couple school events and she was very receptive of those. And we I decided that I would be transport at the end of a bit so I could kind of build that relationship and that bridge with her. And so I was very, I was very comfortable making those phone calls. So we set it all up and we got the same virtual app. um, um, We did Google Duo um, that worked with her phone and with mine. And so we started those. And for the first week, They went really, really well. And then some things happened in her life. And so it was affecting her. um, And so then she started missing some. So together with one of my daughter's therapists, we decided, you know, I would just, if mom calls, it's a bonus. If she doesn't, we're not really going to be expecting it. And so I don't tell the kids, oh, at this time, we're going to have this call with mom. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to build them up to be disappointed. And so that worked. Um, and we've gone back and forth. I I text a lot back and forth with her. Um, we've developed a relationship where she'll ask questions or, you know, different things like that, things that she needs help with with the two little girls at home. And so sometimes she would text me and just be like, I cannot, I can't do the call today. I just can't do it. And so, you know, I just say, that's okay. You know, we'll plan again tomorrow. So we kind of went back and forth. We've changed times about three times to try to find the perfect time of day that she can get herself ready to do them. And then I found an app called Caribou that was recommended by my foster daughter's therapist just to kind of help build that connection because it is hard they are younger, so they're five and four. And so it's hard for them to sit and talk face to face on a phone for too long. So mm-hmm. we thought that this might be a good way to kind of help mom to engage by playing games and reading a story and those kinds of things, because they could still see each other, but they're engaged in doing something as well. So that helped kind of promote that natural conversation. So I haven't been able to get her to sign up for it yet. We're still working on it, but their bio grandparents have. And so that's a relationship that we have also really worked hard on building. They've come to birthday parties and different things with our family sporting events and things like that. 
So they have been engaging on caribou with them, and it's gone beautifully. And it's so fun. It makes the grandparents so happy, and it makes the kiddos so happy because instead of a five-minute conversation, the other day they were on for 45 minutes um, just having fun together. Mm. So it's been really great because it just helps continue build that bond because that bond is very important because no matter what the grandparents will be there and they have always been there they've been our kiddos one constant so Mm -hmm. it's a relationship we really value so before they had one hour a week with dad and one hour a week with mom um at a we call HCI in Maine. I don't know where, you know, like in a, at a location with a supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, one, like I said, it was one day a week. It was Thursday afternoon, 3.30 to 4.30 with one, and then 4.30 to 5.30 with the other. Um, then we picked them up. And now we're doing um, two half hours a week with each parent through Zoom. Okay. Okay. So Uh-oh. how does that look for little ones? Because you said you've got one in preschool and one in kindergarten. Yeah, they're four and five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they do pretty well with lots of pre-teaching. Um, I'm not one for running around the house with our tablet. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, I feel that's validating. That's kind of violating our privacy. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't, I mean, my house is fine. Obviously, I've got lots of caseworkers and BHPs and everything else coming in here, but it's just not. I'm not at the position where I think their parents need to see everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they see a laundry basket and mom screenshots it. And next thing I know, like, oh, she doesn't do her laundry. You right. know, like, that's yeah. how I just feel. Sure. So I'm like, you're right. I'm not doing my laundry right now because we've been home for the last five weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting dressed every other day. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless you get wet or gross or something. But, yes. Um, so technically before visits, I, um, I set one up in their bedroom and I set one up at the kitchen table and I, um, have them pick an activity. So like the, at the table, they could draw, they could do Legos, they could do like moon sand. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got beads, that kind of stuff. And so I sat them tablet up in front of whoever's at the table. And then I do the same thing in the bedroom with the other child, um, you know, Legos or, their LOL dolls or their dollhouse, whatever. And I set their tablet up in front of them there so that they can play and talk at the same time with whatever parent, um, mom tends to have a couple books that she reads with them. Mm-hmm. Um, dad forgot to show up this past week. So that was interesting. That's something we hadn't dealt with before. He hasn't missed any visits. Um, I think with the time change of visits and day change, she just forgot to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So mm-hmm. We sat on the Zoom conference call with the supervisor for 15 minutes while they played. And then we said, oh, I guess dad's not coming today and hung up and then called back 15 minutes later for mom's visit. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Um, Mm. The girls did okay with it. You know, we just kind of, oh, it's perfect time. Let's have a snack. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You always have to have a contingency plan for when the parent doesn't show up. We've had that as well. So Mm -hmm. I'm pretty like black and white on how I want these visits to look like. Mm-hmm. I am running into some problems where I've heard certain things and the HCI supervisor didn't hear them the same way. Mm. So I got pretty frustrated last the other day and I actually messaged the case worker and was talking to her about it. And then um, he said, that's not what he heard. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put headphones on the girls and let them do their visits then and not bother listening. And he's not going to report. I'm like, I know what I heard and I yeah. know what the girls heard because I'm cleaning up the mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. mom pretty much told them that the only thing holding them back right now was the sixth storm. And when the sixth storm is over, she's done everything she needs to do that they're going to go home. Hmm. Well, it's not no switch that's going to happen. So as soon as we start our everyday life again, do they think they're going to get to go home? And who's going to clean up that disappointment? Mm-hmm. So the other day, my five-year-old, like, wasn't even in the screen, and I could hear mom saying, where are you, where are you? And I walk in her room, and she's crying in the corner because something happened during the visit that she didn't like, Mm. but no one noticed that she was even upset. Mm. So, and I messaged the guy that's doing the supervision, and I was like, FYI, she was off the screen because she was crying because this is what happened, and what always happened, mom pays more attention to the little ones than her and kind of butted her right out of the conversation to talk to the smaller one. Wow. And he was like, oh, I didn't notice that. Wow. So, yeah. And so I got pretty frustrated. And then I, when she said something about them going home, I messaged him and he's like, oh, that's not what I heard. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> wow. You know, so like if it comes down to it, like who are they going to believe? So I was pretty frustrated on Thursday on our last visit. And so... So it's me and my wife, and we have an 11-year-old foster daughter. Um, Before quarantine, she was going to a grandparent's every other weekend. So we switched between grandparents, but the first visitation weekend of the month, she would go to her grandfather, and the second visitation weekend of the month, she would go to her grandmother. So we had every other weekend, essentially, respite care for us to get a little break. Um, we try to do one video chat a week with her grandparents. Um, that's what's been requested. Mm-hmm. We sometimes have more than that depending upon their schedule and availability. But on average, uh, we're doing just three different grandparents that she's in contact with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do one video call with each of them um, during the week. We were already in regular contact with him and um, had actually we've built a really good relationship with her grandparents. Um, so it's the transition to this has been, I think, as smooth as it could have been, all things considered, because we already had built a strong relationship with the three of them, mm-hmm. and we can easily text back and forth with them and communicate well. So um, that um, has been helpful in this quarantine. Okay. Yeah, so she would usually leave Friday afternoon after school and then come back early Friday afternoon Sunday mm-hmm. to us. Um, so, you know, two two nights away from us. Um, every other weekend mm-hmm. and now um, the video calls tend to last anywhere between like 30 minutes to an hour depending upon how long they want to check in um, I would say that like it's hard with an 11 year old on FaceTime she doesn't always want to show her face right. and it can get kind of silly um, and you know there's it, it's just not the same but right. um, I'm glad that she's been able to um, keep in touch with them we also had like her grandfather uh, from a safe distance, dropped off her bike this week, and her grandmother dropped off like a treat for her last week, um, and that it's been nice for her to be able to see them, but also kind of hard too because she can't go give them a hug or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. But um, I think it was beneficial for her to at least see them. Um, luckily, her grandparents are really engaged, and um, they often talk about like what schoolwork she has that week and what she's been up to, and so. Um, that's been beneficial, but yeah, I think we're still searching for ways to make the phone calls a little bit more engaging. Cause mm-hmm. I think, um, our daughter's attention span doesn't always last that whole time. Sure. <laughs> they were doing visits. Um, and then when, 
our quarantine started March 13th here. Mm-hmm. So when it started, we made the decision to contact caseworkers and just say, you know, we're not comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, having any more visits. What what do we do? Because this was new territory for me because you're you're bound to it, but then it's something completely new and the children's safety come before a court order, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to overstep, sure. you know, judges or orders or anything, but we were just like, we're not comfortable with this. You know, if if they shut down school, then they don't need to be going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not safe enough to be in school, then why are we still going to a visit and meeting with people not knowing if they've followed quarantine directions and... um so we switched to virtual, um, either through Facebook Messenger or through FaceTime. No, it's not the same, but it's better than nothing. It, it was an adjustment like anything else because it, it's not like one thing came at a time. Everything kind of hit everybody all at once where there's no more school, there's no more sports. You can't go to Walmart once a week you can't go to the dollar tree whenever you want to oh and by the way you can't see your biological family anymore right now either you have to do everything over the phone Mm -hmm. so me personally in my experience i would rather it be that way just rip all the band-aids off at one time (laughs) (laughs) that way they don't adjust to one thing and then have to adjust to something else back Mm -hmm. to back to back it's exhausting yes so we just we're very honest with our kids and we just explained you know, it's for your safety. We're not keeping anything from you except the germs. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not taking anything away except for the safety threat. So, mm-hmm. I mean, ours have been cooped up and they understand because they're not in school. They're not going shopping. They're not pretty much going anywhere. So to them, it made sense. You know, well, if we're not allowed to go to school, then yes, it makes sense that we'd not be allowed to go have a visit either. So, right. The first week or two was tricky, um, mainly because it wasn't mandated yet. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a, uh, you know, this is what's still supposed to happen. I'm not understanding. You know, why can't we still? You know, it's not mandated because the, you know, our our governor hadn't mandated it yet you know at that point Mm -hmm. and I I don't know if it's me or just me having all these kids but you have to be preventative you know it's yes it's a lot easier to prevent a problem than to fix it once it's already here in my opinion Mm -hmm. so it was a lot of just explanations and you know trying to get them to understand it's it's not only fearing what you may give to the kids you know, we're also looking out for your safety because with this virus, they said you could be symptomatic for two weeks and not even know it. Right. So for all we knew, we were sick, Mm -hmm. you know, and we didn't want to pass that on to the parents who then again, you know, may or may not be following protocol of quarantine and then they pass it and they pass it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of been the issue with this thing Mm -hmm. that it just gets passed so easy because people are still out, you know, doing yeah. whatever. And, um, thankfully, uh, you know, there's, they work was not an issue on their side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that reduced the risk, you know, quite a bit, but 
still, um, like I said, with the kids, it was an adjustment for everybody. But mm-hmm. thankfully, in our experience, um, understanding came rather quickly. Good. And um, I guess it's because we repeat, repeat, repeat so yep. much to try to get the kids in a habit of, you know, no, we can't go shopping. No, we can't go to the store. No, we can't visit with people that they themselves even said, you know, no, we can't, you know, no, it's not safe. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, we want to, but we can't, you know, kind of thing. And I think that helped. Yeah. And reiterating that it's not permanent. This is a season, but it will, they will go back to having their in-person visits when, when it becomes safe to do so. Correct. So, so what do the visits look like? Um, so they are right now once a day. Um, it works out best for hours to have it in the evening once everybody's not outside riding bikes and, mm-hmm. you know, doing schoolwork and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's just a um, quiet place and they sit and they have, you know, some type of face chat. Um, and it's, Pretty much the same as an in-person visit. I mean, for us, that really hasn't changed. It's, mm-hmm. You know, your your greetings and your I miss you's and what did you do today? And, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're lacking, of course, the physical contact of the hugs and the kisses and, yeah. you know, all that. And I get that that's important. And I know that they miss it and that mm-hmm. they long for it. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I think they do finally understand that, Safety-wise, it's best, you know, to just keep distance right now. Their their face chats, you know, that they're having right now are a little longer mm-hmm. than the phone calls used to be because mm-hmm. the phone call was just a, a, you know, a wrapping up of the day kind of thing. The visits were the extended time spent. Yeah. And, you know, so now it just kind of gets mm-hmm. broken down more, you know, into a daily. But the kids are content. Let me say, you know, yes, they would be happier when life, if life was normal, you know, but they're content at least. So they don't feel like they're missing out on anything um, than not having any contact whatsoever, I think would add to the stress and anxiety that they're already having, you know, due to Mm -hmm. the pandemic. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, for us on our part, you know, if they want to sit down and have a a 30 minute face to face versus, you know, a five minute phone call, which is what it used to be, you know, as long as things are kosher, then we're fine. We also have tried to be understanding that we're all new to this and it, it's going to have to require give and take on everybody's end. You know, it's been it's been a little crazy, you know, because all the other counties around us, it seemed it had been more inundated than our county until lately. But we have been under our own quarantine for about three weeks now, four weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's been it has been miraculous for our family, like with the our foster kids. They had, they had, they came from such hard places and just having this break, this break from what what you would typically call the normal, you know, go to school, go through their therapies, they go through their visits, they, you know, have all this activity during the week 
and now it's all completely stopped, it has made them blossom. I, it's, I, you would think it'd be backwards, you know, you, I mean, I know there's a lot of kids out there that, um, just can't cope with that kind of change, but for us, it has been a huge blessing. Like we've been gardening and baking and just doing all kinds of messy arts and crafts and stuff that we don't have time for in our normal weeks and, you know, doing the homeschool thing. But that was an easy transition because we already homeschool half of the kids anyway. And then, um, so it wasn't really too hard for us to adjust at all. It, was, it just felt better to try and stay home and keep everybody else safe. You yes. know, it's a something that we felt we could really do mm-hmm. um, in, in the efforts to help stop the spread. But um, it has been such a blessing because for our kids that came from hard places, it's they, they're not having nightmares now. They're not having all of these massive triggers, you know, just reminders when they're in therapy and reminders when they go on visit and stuff like that. I, they, I don't know. They're happy and calm and running around joyful. And I don't, I don't know what else to say besides before it would be, um, one supervised, uh, in-person visit and then one phone call, um, supervised. Well, now, it, now that with the quarantine and everything, it obviously is not in person. And so they get three supervised phone calls now um, throughout the week, you know, and, and we arranged the times and all that. Um, but they, I don't know if it's a county or state thing or personal preference. I don't know. But um, they haven't changed our visits to be um, more like Zoom or FaceTime or anything like that. They're still only phone calls. So their in-person visits were always, always so difficult. Um, they, you know, struggled between each of them, between not wanting to go or sometimes wanting to go and then having major issues afterwards and nightmares and anger and lashing out and things. Um, yeah, it's, it was, it's so hard to watch, yeah. you know, but I mean, obviously it's, it's a, meant to be a good thing to help the parent, you know, rehabilitate, to help the parent bond, right? you know, and that's what we're here for is to help the, help foster that connection mm-hmm. and, and help encourage the kids that like, this is still a safe place, even if those feelings come back. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was very hard on the kids, mm-hmm. um, doing in-person visits, um, lots of, (laughs) lots of fears and traumas resurfaced every single week. Um, and then, but now that we do phone calls instead of in person, they're gone. Wow. (laughs) And, and it's, it's bittersweet to be honest. Like it's good for them. It's good that they have this breathing time, you know, to just relax and, and play outside and not have to think twice about it. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side, it's, you don't want them to detach. You don't want the parent to detach, Right. but that, you know, you're afraid that that could be what's happening. You pray for healing. You pray for, you know, redemption for certain things you, but it's, I mean, it's ultimately it's there. Those things are gone. Their triggers and their nightmares and their, their lashing out and their soiling and their everything else is gone now. And it's incredible. 
So um, when they have their visits, are they on like a conference call where they're all on at the same time or do they take turns one at a time talking with them on the phone? Yeah, well, and that's been something we've had to get creative with too. Um, so it's, they're a sibling group of three, you know, and, um, but one of them is nonverbal. So of course that one doesn't talk. We try, but that one won't talk with the parent. Um, they'll, they, that one only talks with us. Mm. And um, so they do all three sit and talk at the same time, but because of their shared trauma, it's we've had to now mitigate that and give them separate times, like give them, okay, you get three minutes. Okay. Now you get three minutes mm-hmm. and try to give the other one a chance, but of course they won't take it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, one of them wants the spotlight, the other one doesn't want it. And so we, we have to find ways to get creative and, and give the parent a full chance, you know, to have, you know, a chance to talk with everybody and give each kid a chance to be valid, to be, uh, have the attention, to have all of everything that they want. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. want that attention. They want the love and the adoration and everything. Um it's just not up to me whether they get it or not. Right, right. And then were you in touch previously? Did you connect with or talk with their parents when you had, like, before this season? Did you, were you interacting with them? Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, I've met with their parent several times, um, took took them out job hunting, um, trying to look for apartments and all of that was all before this whole quarantine, but then um, it got to a point with the amount of interaction and the amount of texting at odd hours and changing phone call times, you know, without going through the county, without going through DHS and the social worker, mm-hmm. that they had to they had to cut it off. Okay. They had to say stop contacting the foster parent. Okay, um, because it got to be to the boundaries um, were, were not being, were not healthy. It sounds like. Right. Yeah. Right. And as much as I tried to maintain them, it went, it fell upon deaf ears. Gotcha. Yeah. So now that they're on calls, are you there trying to help sort of, um, foster conversation? Yes and no. So I try very hard just to stay out of it, like to just give them time. Mm -hmm. You know, I try Mm -hmm. to, you know, help the kids maintain their own sense of control. Like, okay, this is your time, three minutes, or this is your time, um, or stop interrupting your sister or whatever. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, I try very hard not to interrupt the parents' time because that, you know, that's, that's their time. That's their phone call. Um, But then there's other times it is supervised for a reason. Um, So I, I have to still supervise. Mm -hmm. Um, And there have been times that I've had to call it, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. say, okay, sorry, time, time, it's time to go now or whatever for, for certain reasons. Um, And that's unfortunate when that happens. Um, But again, that's, (laughs) that's nothing that I can control or the kids, you know, it's, there are boundaries and they're there for a reason. Yeah. And if other people can't maintain them, you know, that's why I'm here. Right. Yeah. And so the, so yours are not supervised by somebody outside your home. You're the one who is supervising these visits. The phone calls, the phone calls, the the actual supervised in-person visits when they were happening before quarantine. Mm -hmm. 
um, they were supervised by social workers. Yeah. And that's another interesting thing. And part of the reason that I wanted to get some of these conversations out for other foster parents to hear is that, you know, this just shows that being a foster parent is way more than being a parent or a caregiver. It is like advocate. It is mediator. It is therapeutic. I've already said advocate, but like someone who is getting the therapies in place. I mean, it's way more, it's like in some ways you're being a case manager right now because the case managers are not able to be as present in person. So you're having to, you know, report right. on the calls and, and sort of take on all a lot more than the normal role. Usually there are other professionals who come in and manage these different aspects, whether it's supervising the visits or communicating with the parents. And I, I think it's been a good thing for a lot of foster parents to be in the position of having to now have interaction with their kids' parents because a lot of times Mm -hmm. this is the first time the parents are really interacting. And, um, you know, I think it's a good thing a lot of times, but it's also for some people really new and really intimidating on both sides, I think, for the parents and for the foster parents. So... Um, right. Yeah. But um, do you find that it's important to have any kind of decompression time after visits, either phone visits right now or when under normal circumstances, do you have like a post visit ritual to help your kids process? Um, we haven't had to, not for a long time, at least we've had our, our kids for over a year now okay. and um, they've, changed the whole over this whole past year you know almost year and a half has changed a lot the the kids and how the visits look and everything else so yes we used to um it clockwork Mm -hmm. um we used to have a very tight you know a schedule and a and a as you say a ritual afterward because it was so traumatic um but now we we've eased off and because the kids have understood that they are safe here and that nothing can happen to them here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they can heal even if their feelings are boiling over. Um, and so, yeah, they do, you can still see it. We call it, um, we've called it simmering. So like if one of them, we see her starting to simmer, we see her starting to boil up, you know, and she starts bouncing off the walls and getting really agitated and she, you know, needs the texture of the carpet and the walls and the everything. And so we, we see her starting to simmer and that's when we can step in and help her just kind of calm down a little bit before mm-hmm. she really boils over emotionally. Um, and yeah, that typically happens after phone calls and everything too. Um, and it's, I mean, you know, it's because of the memories and the, the feelings that arise with certain you know, words maybe in phone calls, I, you know, you can't peg everything, but it's all still there and they're still trying to balance, you know, the, (laughs) everything that they remember and how they feel now and whether they want to, you know, I mean, and it's obviously not the kid's choice, but whether they want to go back or want to stay in their guilt for feeling those things Mm -hmm. and, their guilt for, you know, feeling scared or, or loving these new people that they're with, like, and then so tragic because they shouldn't have to feel guilty for loving people, right? you know? And Mm. so it's just, yeah, there's definitely decompression time, but not nearly what it used to be. It's, it's gotten a lot easier. 
You've been listening to five foster parents sharing about their experiences managing virtual visits between their foster youth and their parents during the time of the virus. As I mentioned earlier, this episode features the voices of foster parents, but I would also love to hear from parents whose children are in foster care. If you or someone you know are a parent whose child is in care and you would like to share some of your experiences on this podcast, please contact me at christy at afosteredlife.com. And that's Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. We can use first names only and leave out identifying information. My goal is not to shame anyone, but rather to shine light on the experiences of the various people who make up the foster care system. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe to A Fostered Life so you don't miss a single episode. And if you're enjoying this resource, once again, please consider becoming a patron of A Fostered Life on Patreon. To learn more about how to pledge as little as $1 a month to support this podcast, as well as the YouTube channel and blog, please go to patreon.com slash afosteredlife. For more information and resources for foster parents, please visit afosteredlife.com, where you'll find blog posts, recommended reading, YouTube videos, and social media links, all designed to help foster parents feel more equipped for their foster care journey. It's my prayer that no foster parent ever feels like they're going at it alone. If you're a foster parent who's feeling like you're out there on your own, consider joining the Flourishing Foster Parent, a community designed to encourage, equip, and connect foster parents. You can find info on the Flourishing Foster Parent at afosteredlife.com FFP. One last thing. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate A Fostered Life on iTunes. It would help me out so much. Thanks for listening, and thanks for caring about foster care.